Welcome to the Bible teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church, where our desire is to honor God by faithful obedience to His Word. If you want to understand the Bible better, please continue to listen as our Bible teacher explains and applies the biblical text one verse at a time. Also, you can reach us with questions or for more teaching audio and print material at our website, www.fbcaa.org. You can watch our services at fbcaa.org live or on YouTube. We thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as we open God's Word. wish you a good morning. Welcome to the uh, Lord's Table service. If you are online, welcome to uh, be able to view the service uh, this morning. All right, in light of the time, we're just going to have that one hymn at the moment. And uh, I'm going to speak this morning on a subject that I hope will be somewhat helpful uh, to us. I was thinking about a couple of things and uh, speaking with our brother Jansen and some of the other members in the church over the last few days about some matters. Um, and so I thought I'd bring them to your attention as well. Uh, one of the things is that I was thinking about, we as a church family are all in different places in our spiritual walk. And if you think of a spiritual walk in terms of like a, a graph with time flowing in your right, kind of direction from uh, your left to right, you kind of start out with a very low spiritual condition, right? Very low before you're saved. And then you, you're saved and you walk with the Lord and and you go along for a while, and, and what we want is we want to see that kind of keep on, keep on going, right? But sometimes what happens is uh, things kind of tail off, and you see this even from saints who are somewhat, well, can I just say uh, older in the faith. Sometimes things trail off, and there's some ups and there's some downs. Sometimes there's some really far downs. And so if you think about the church as a um, a blending or a combination of a bunch of these kind of curves all superimposed on one another, that's the kind of group of people that as teachers we're responsible to talk to. Some at the very beginning, some you know, right on top of it, other ones, well, we've lost some ground, frankly. And, uh, and some, you know, we're, and we're, so we're trying to bring everybody up to speed. So sometimes we repeat we review, we rehearse things, we think about them again. The last time I talked about this in, uh, in a full message that I recall and had notes on was back in May of 2020, and the topic is, uh, has to do with ecclesiology, that is the study of the church, in particular why in-person church involvement is required, and it has to do with church membership and those sorts of things. Um, Another issue that happens to us when we're in church leadership is, <coughs> excuse me, when you're, te when you're uh, asked questions or when th things occur and you're forced to go back to the basics or go back to the Word and find out, okay, what, how should we answer this question or how should we deal with this? And you have to resharpen on, on that uh, material. Another thought, you know, we talk about Christianity as if it's, um, or we think about it, I think, sometimes as if it's a one-to-one -one relationship between me or you and God. But you have to remember that our Christian faith is al also has an important corporate aspect to it, that our relationships 
with one another are also integral to the operation of the church. I hope you agree that we're not just coming on a Sunday because we're a bunch of isolated uh, you know, people from one another and we're all just worshiping God with nothing to do with each other. That's not how the faith works. God has designed it that we would be together, we would worship together, gather together, serve together, pray together, minister together, and uh, those sorts of things. So let me just start in with what I have here and see where we go. I have uh, a bunch of other material too that I think we, well, I know we won't have time for this morning, but you'll see how this kind of connects to the, the table of the Lord. And by the way, if you're here and you're expecting only a message about the Lord's sacrifice. We won't have that this morning, but we are going to have something about the implications of what he's done for us as a body of believers. But I will say this, interesting, I ran into this little snippet last uh, night in which I was reminded um, about the nature of Christian salvation. When you come to the Lord, you come as a sinner. Um, when you, the, the analogy was like this, do you prepare yourself and clean, clean yourself up in order to get into the shower? No, you get into the shower because that's the thing which cleans you. So do you reform yourself and prepare yourself and clean yourself up before you come to the Lord Jesus Christ? No, because he's the one who cleans you. So I hope you understand that. You don't, you know, we never tell somebody, look, stop all of your bad habits, uh, get yourself all cleaned up, and then Jesus will be happy to fellowship with you because that's impossible for you to do that. Of course, once you come to him, then he'll work very closely with you to make sure that those things that are in your life that need to be cleaned up get that way, right? Yeah, and, uh, and of course... The cleaning up that we're talking about has to do primarily with being made right before God, which no amount of activity or reformation in behavior or attitude is going to do. Only Christ can provide that. And once that is your portion, then God works uh, in you to bring transformation in your conduct. When you come to the Lord's table... You may be coming a little wounded, a little weak, a little dirty, but this reminds you that the Lord Jesus Christ still cleanses. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, present tense Greek verb. I love it. It's great. Teaching Greek is just wonderful. You see this verb, and it's like in an ongoing manner, as a regular course of practice, now and forever cleanses us from all sin. Isn't that something? So when you come to the Lord's table and you say, man, I've been a bad person this week. Well, you join about however many there are here, let's say 50 other bad people. (laughs) And you say, I'm not good enough to take the Lord's table. Well, join the club, right? Repent. Confess your sin. He is faithful and just to cleanse us from our sin and all of our unrighteousness, and we are then able and worthy in him to come to the table. But as we think about our participation in the local church, 
I thought to start this way, there was a marketing slogan that came back, uh, came out in 1987, and it was from American Express. And what is that marketing slogan? Anybody? Yeah, you have that. That's true. But I think it was another one they had was membership has its privileges. And of course, they show people, you know, expending huge sums of money on things that are unattainable to the, the normal human being. Uh, membership has its privileges. So says the marketing slogan of American Express starting back in 1987. But when we're talking about being a, a member of a church, <clears throat> what does that mean, membership? Does it have its privileges? Um, <clears throat> what does it mean to be a member of a church? It means to be a part of. That's what the Bible's uh, language is, to be a real part of a church, a member of the body, a piece of the action. <clears throat> and membership has far more than just a few scant privileges. It has massive responsibilities and blessings. Being a formal member in a church is not just having special access to a list of perks or American Express-style privileges. Okay? For those who have forgotten, maybe you've, you know, you're down on this little slope here of uh, you know, your spiritual life or you've not known this and you're you know, just coming up in maturity and knowledge of the Word of God, I thought it would be a good time to remind us about our responsibilities and members, and, and blessings rather, responsibilities and blessings as members of a local church. And in particular, what it means for in-person ministry and attendance uh, in the meetings. Membership means, among other things, and uh, one of our brothers will recognize some of this we talked about, membership means, among other things, accountability. Accountability. Now, we don't like that word today because you know, we don't want to be accountable. But the fact of the matter is you're going to either be accountable now or you're going to be accountable later. Might as well be accountable now to avoid the uh, problems that come with accountability later. You know, nobody knows if you're doing okay, if you're far away, if you're not attending, except that being away persistently means that you're not doing okay. You're not doing okay. Membership in the church and in-person participation also means bearing burdens one with another. A funeral is not the only time we bear burdens of our fellow brothers and sisters. Just talking it out week to week is a helpful thing, isn't it, when you're having trials? So you bear one another's burdens. Encouragement and admonishment is also something that happens when we're together in the church. Seeing the faces of people is an encouragement. If you tend to think not, then I suspect you're a little too wrapped up in yourself to be caring for others. Being in church is a great place to receive teaching and correction and encouragement to good works without it being too awkward. What do I mean by that? When I'm up there preaching or I'm down here preaching or Jansen is preaching or whoever's teaching the word, it's far easier for us to teach the word objectively and have you receive it and have the Spirit of God apply it and have you change than if I have to go to you individually and have a face-to-face -face talk and say, hey, brother or sister, something's wrong in your life and you need to change it. It's far better if from the preaching of the Word you hear the Word and then there's not that kind of awkward interaction in person. Now, some of you know that if I have to do that, we'll do that. <laughs> it's necessary. 
but uh, it's much easier for us to hear God's word and live it rather than to hear it and ignore it and have to be confronted about it uh, individually. Encouragement and admonishment. By the way, the Bible says in uh, Colossians chapter 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And then it says what after that? Uh, it's like teaching and admonishing one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. You cannot do that if you're not together with one another, teaching and admonishing in that in-person setting. Serving others is another responsibility of membership. Contributing to the support of the church is another participation in the church. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 16, the indication is that the church is to gather and to collect the offerings that they have, Paul directs them, so that they can send those on to the saints that have need, that they, the, kind of the offering they had planned to do. Uh, giving is part of worship. When I heard that years ago, I just, I just never thought of it. I just, did, I just thought, well, you give and you don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. You don't make a big deal about it. We certainly don't put signs up with the biggest givers of the year and all that nonsense that social clubs do and everything. And, uh, you know, I don't even know what most people give or if they give. But if they don't give, that's a major issue. Why is that? Because where your heart is, I mean, where your treasure is, there where, there's where your heart is also. But giving, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, is a grace. It is part of worship. You know, so... And you're not just doing it just to do it to check the box. You're doing it because you want to support the work that God is involved in, that you want to be also involved in partnering in that work. Partnering, by the way, that reminds me. Partnering is like part of membership, fellowship. That's part of what we are uh, together. So when I learned that, uh, just kind of realized that idea that giving is part of worship, it just elevated that even more. You're showing God you're worth, you're worth something. You're worth something real, like my time, which was exchanged for dollars this week when I worked and got a paycheck, you're worth that. Um, you are worth more than five bucks. You know, you're worth more than throwing a 20 into the offering plate. Look, a 20 doesn't go that far these days. If you've gone to the grocery store, you know that, right? Yeah, so <clears throat> in any case, uh, part of the responsibility of membership is loving one another, loving one another. Um, in fact, carrying out almost all of the one another commands is it's required for us to be together to do that. Getting to know people better so you can carry out the above ministry appropriately in each individual case. Uh, we talked about burden bearing, comforting one another, <clears throat> all kinds of uh, things that we're called to do in the scriptures. Now, all the stuff that I've said, which is not limited to just those things, but we have, we could go on and list all the one another commands, all the responsibilities we have in the Bible. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. These all apply in two directions. I want you to get this. This is important. All of this in terms of responsibilities and blessings applies in two directions. And today, because our culture has taught us that we're supposed to be focused on ourselves, we think about the benefits that we get. We think about uh, if I'm, you know, in a new town and I'm looking for a church, our thought might be, well, what can this church do for me? What am I going to get out of it? What services do they provide? Well, you know, they probably don't provide, they probably don't provide one, at least one service 
the one service that you could help them provide if you were a member of that church because they are missing your giftedness and abilities. So if you say they're missing that, well, maybe you're part of the answer to them supplying that thing. But anyways, in, we're applying in two directions. So we think, tend to think, what can, it be, what can it be for me? What's in it for me? And there is some there truth to that. For, for your benefit, all these blessings apply toward you, that people would be serving you and encouraging you and helping bear your burdens and comforting and loving you and getting to know you and uh, admonishing you and, and bring, bringing accountability and all that, helping you to stay out of sin. <clears throat> but in fact... All of the above that we mentioned also apply to everyone else in the church, from you, not just to you. So if you think of what we've talked about, membership and a kind of package deal of blessings and responsibilities, you benefit from those things, but others benefit from your participation in those things. All of the above partnership issues also are for the benefit of others. Let me say it this way, and this might kind of rattle your cage a little bit, but that's okay. I'm a cage rattler sometimes. What's so funny? My job is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. That's what some pastors have said. (laughs) Uh, When you don't come to church, you rob other members of the blessings and responsibilities you are not carrying out. You rob them of that. You say, well, I don't feel like a thief. That's the problem. You don't feel like a thief. I, I had a guy, I don't, I don't have time to tell this long story, but anyway, I had a fellow who bought a house from us on a land contract, our old house where we lived, and he stopped paying. But he felt justified and stopped paying. Well, I already paid you a down payment. Yeah, it's sinful thinking. It doesn't make sense, brother. Just stop paying. For several months, I had to evict him from the house and get the house back. Start all over again. But he, never, he didn't think he was a thief. He had his reasons in his mind why he was okay. He was justified to do what he was doing. That's how the sinful mind thinks. For us believers, sometimes we can fall into that. No, I'm not robbing anybody. I'm just sitting here at home doing my own thing. It's not convenient for me to go over there today, tonight, this week, or regularly, or whatever. Excuse me. The entire list of blessings and responsibilities is a corporate list. And thus our non-attendance or attendance has corporate implications because these blessings and responsibilities are distributed across a group of believers I mean, that's what I've been saying, that the the church is doing this to itself. In Ephesians 4, which I quoted on Wednesday night in my report to the church in the business meeting, was that we're building one another up into uh, the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're to be growing in maturity. But because the blessings and responsibilities are distributed across a group of people, we can kind of miss the fact that the whole level of them is lower. There's an interesting phenomenon that occurs out in the world when there's a political kind of fray. And you have a group of people that's well-organized but a minority. They get together, their union or whatever, and they stand up and they make a lot of noise and they get what they want. 
They want some subsidy or some handout or something like that, and it's 2% of the population represented. The other 98% is distributed across the hoi polloi of the whole nation, and they just are going about their business doing their work and don't complain, and these guys get what they want and raise the taxes on the rest of the 98%, but because they're distributed across an amorphous whole, they don't, they're not heard. But this vocal group that makes a lot of noise or causes trouble is heard. And so what happens is the, the majority is impacted uh, disproportionately compared to what they should be maybe, you know, based on the importance of this little special interest group. That's all lobbying, by the way, right? Um, and so a similar kind of thing can happen. I'm thinking about a, this distributed feature like, well, if you don't come to church, the, the total amount of blessings and responsibilities carried out on Sunday is lessened by some little amount, and somebody else doesn't come, it's lessened by some amount. But there's still a blessing involved with people that come because they're enjoying each other's fellowship and the blessings and responsibilities that come. And so it's easy not to notice because 80% is there, but the other 20% are missing. And I think that's a problem. Perhaps because of our dullness, we cannot see that we have a true impact on others and we miss the impact that others would bring if they were with us. There are other needs of an in-person member experience, and I'll just briefly go over them. Uh, an in-person participation is required for evaluation of ministry candidates. We don't often have this, but it's very important. You, to observe the personal skills, the aptitude to teach, the doctrine, the giftedness, the family management of a young man who is a candidate for ministry, say our assistant pastor, you have to be here. If you uh, aren't, then you can, you're disqualified for making an evaluation about what that, whether that person is uh, a valid person, is qualified for ministry. Doctrinal qualification is not the only qualification for ministry, is it? It's important, but if a guy can't rule his own house, then what? Can't rule the church. If he can't teach, yeah, then he's not qualified to be an elder. If he can't control his temper or is greedy for money or whatever, all those things that First Timothy and Titus teach us, you can't see those when you're far away. An online viewership experience also, as helpful as it is for sick folk, is extremely limited. <clears throat> I shudder to think people watching online basically see me. That's a sad situation, my friends. <laughs> no, they say, thank you for the encouragement, brother. But the church is not me. The church is a whole bunch of people that are unseen on the, on the live stream you might see the musician at the piano, special music, song leader, somebody reads scripture. You see five people. I'm exaggerating maybe, but that's all. It's a totally different atmosphere and experience when it's with people. So just a, a note, we cannot interact when we're on the live stream. We, we can, uh, you know, can't exercise the fruit of the spirit in interacting with one another. Um, the modern age has tricked us into thinking that relationships can be carried on in the virtual space. You know, the metaverse, that nonsense. 
But as some of us know and all of us can imagine, carrying on a long-distance relationship is very difficult. Have you ever had that before? You know, when you're younger and you're dating somebody and they're two states away or even two hours away, how does that work? It doesn't often work well, does it? And eventually, I mean, if you're going to end up having that relationship be a marriage, you can't be doing it that way. So long-distance relationships don't work. They're very difficult. There's a fundamental lack of ability to communicate things well when not in person. Missing are things like facial expressions and tone of voice, body language, looking into somebody's eyes, seeing their facial expressions. When I'm preaching, I'm seeing, sometimes I almost can see a question mark on your face. It's shaped like a face-shaped question mark. You know, it's not a, one of these guys, but you know what I mean? So that can guide and say, okay, back up a second, review that, say it a different way or do something, or somebody's like, no way. You're like, okay, I'll deal with an objection. Um, that sort of thing. The distance of our technological communication allows phenomena to occur that would not necessarily occur in in-person communication. Uh, example, people say insensitive and mean things much more readily in their email or their Twitter or their Facebook or whatever than they do in, in person. I just take an example. I mean, I know of things that some of you have put online, which I have said nothing about. And I say, would you get up in front of the church and say that? Would you say that to my face or any Christian's face? Or would you like, ooh, that's, that's a little bit much when I put myself in the in-person context. That's a big difference. It helps us to restrain ourselves. The virtual persona of a person often shows less restraint than an in-person situation. Now, somebody might say, well, arguing like they do today, well, what I said online, that's more authentic to myself. Now, listen, friends, sometimes you need to be less authentic to yourself because yourself is sinful, and you need to straighten that out, okay? Uh, we need to be less authentic to our sinful natures and say no to those sinful natures. 2 Corinthians 10.10 gives an example of a misunderstanding that happened between the Apostle Paul and the church there. They're saying, you know, in his letters he's weighty and powerful, but in person he's, he's a weasel, you know, he's a wimp. There was a disconnect between the, the distance communication in the writing and the in-person communication that they had. We also know that the, uh, I'm just kind of piling through these now. We also know that the Lord's table is a together kind of ministry. <clears throat> Paul says several times in the passage in 1 Corinthians 11, when you are gathered together, when you come together, you're supposed to take the Lord's table that way. And then let me close with a couple of other thoughts quickly. When you look in the scriptures and think about this, you find a number, many scriptural texts that talk about in-person interaction in the church. The first one I thought of was 2nd and 3rd John. He's far away. He's writing to these individuals, and he says, I don't want to write to you anymore. I want to do what? I want to come and talk to you face-to-face. So he puts the pen down, sends the letter, and he's going to do the rest in an in-person kind of ministry. Writing is a technology, okay? 
you don't think of it that way perhaps, but to have a piece of paper like this, to have a ballpoint pen that almost seems to never run out, 2,000 years ago, this would have been gold worth thousands of dollars to have this kind of device. It's a technology. And delivering letters you know, with the delivery system was an advancement in communication. Reading is something that education helps to cultivate. <clears throat> but writing is at a distance. Similarly today, methods of writing have their limitations, just like they did back then in the Bible. Whether it's chat and email or video, they're all technologies that have their limitations. They keep a great distance between the person. And they're only one-way communication at a time for the most part. No touch is involved, no shared atmosphere, no feedback loop between parties. You have Paul saying, I don't wish to, to uh, can, you know, or actually in Romans 15, 24, I wish to come to you and have some fellowship with you in the gospel. 1 Corinthians 6, Acts 28, he calls the Jews to be with him so that he can explain his position. And no, numerous times Paul sends not only letters but people. He sent Onesimus, didn't he? He sent Tychicus, he sent Epaphras, he, Epaphroditus. The, the gift uh, that we talked about earlier that was collected by the church was sent not by Western Union. It was sent by messengers, people who actually carried it and went to the church. Uh, Acts chapter 15, there was a conflict in doctrine in the church in Antioch. They sent to Jerusalem. Jerusalem council happened. They send back not only a letter, because this matter was so important, they send individuals to go. And so sometimes it might be necessary to do that sort of thing. Sometimes pastors have had to get on an airplane and go somewhere to deal with an issue because it's that important. Yes, it's expensive, but you know what? Sometimes it's got to be worth it. Many times, God himself came down in the scriptures. You remember, he said, I've seen the affliction of my people, and I'm going to come down, and I'm going to help them, Moses. Or Genesis 18 and 19, God comes down and says, I'm going to go down and see if it's all together like I've heard in Sodom and Gomorrah. He goes down. He comes up and shows up in person. And lastly, in terms of in-person ministry, I'll say this, and then we'll share the elements of the table. The Bible says in John 1.14 that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ himself came and dwelt among us. He took up his abode with humanity. This brought him into first-hand contact with our frailties. He grew up just like these young people I'm looking at right here, from Connor's size to Mackenzie to full adulthood. He went through all those stages that you guys are going through as a young person and lived until he was 33 among us. He felt our frailties, our temptations. All this outfitted him to be a perfect, sympathetic high priest to us. Jesus showed up. Best for us to do the same, I would think, and live enfleshed amongst one another in our co-relationship in the church. Hopefully helpful thoughts to you this morning. Let's pray. <clears throat> After we pray, we'll bid those online a good morning, and uh, we'll be back at about 10.50, probably realistically at this point. All right, let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, as we close this portion of our service, we ask, Lord, that you would help us to be strengthened wherever we are. If we're at the beginning of our walk, we're in the middle, and this is kind of old hat, or if it's that we've kind of trailed off a little bit and need to be reboosted in our strength of understanding the need to participate in the local assembly. I pray that whatever we've said here may be a help in some way to that in our, in our church. Strengthen us, we pray. Thank you for the Lord's table this morning. Thank you that Jesus indeed did come and felt all of the feelings of our infirmities, was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. And so he can understand when we come before him, even this morning. And we say, Lord, I... I haven't lived just perfectly this week. I confess my sin and ask you to cleanse me and thank you that we can remember your all-prevailing work on Calvary with these elements this morning. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.